Episode 47 of the Atari 7800 Homebrew Podcast. Yes, that's right, I started with the word but. You hear people start sentences with the word and. I chose a different conjunction because I, I am a rebel, and my name is Sean. How are all of you? Mm Mm-hmm. Ooh, hope you have that taken care of then. Huh. Well, thank you for sharing that with me. Uh, how am I? Oh, thank you for asking. How am I? I'm better. Little health update. The neck injury that I got back in August that I think was uh, a result of pulling too much luggage for too far. It's definitely improving. I can now sit in an office chair without too many problems. Used to be that if I sat in an office chair, like my back would act up, my arm would hurt. Not so much anymore. Not so much. It's to the point now where I can actually function until I see my physical therapist. And when she does her work on me, I, I'm in pain for a long time after that. And I always tell her, look, look, no offense, but I was fine until I came here. But things are definitely improving. And I uh, might have mentioned this before, but I'm riding my bike as much as possible. Basically, the only thing stopping me now is inclement weather. My goal that I set at the end of last year, it was to ride my bike for at least 1,700 miles. I am at about 1,550 right now. And um, I figure if I could just ride my bike to work probably 10 more times, I, that should put me over my goal. Because the thing is, I want to get as much exercise as I can and still have time for the things that I enjoy doing, such as. This podcast, says the host of this podcast that's taking a hiatus (laughs) soon. Yeah, that's right. This uh, next episode coming up in a couple of weeks is going to be the last episode of this podcast for a while. Sometime in 2019, hopefully early, it will resume. I just need some time to do other things and build up some research. And also, dang it, I deserve some time off. One of the other things I want to do, and I know I mentioned this before, is another podcast and it's going to be called autobiography of a schnook. There's already a Facebook presence, a Twitter presence and a website. And I just got to get all that stuff in line. Got to record a little bit of background music and I'm ready to go with that. Hopefully by the end of next week, I'll have things moving like seriously moving. Probably not this week. In fact, uh, some of you may have noticed this episode is out early And that's because Extra Life is happening for me. And what is Extra Life? You might have heard me mention it. In fact, if you're a regular listener, you have heard me mention this. Extra Life is a video game marathon with the purpose of raising money for Children's Miracle Hospital Network. So I'm participating in that this year. The idea is to do 24 hours of gaming. And a lot of participants are going to be doing it for 24 hours straight nonstop. This guy, however, no. And I'm going to be honest, part of his selfishness, because I just, I want to sleep. I want to (laughs) sleep. Plus, I also have a wife I have to answer to. (laughs) And actually, Lisa's been very supportive of me about this. She said that, okay, yeah, go, go ahead and do that. And she gave me the condition that I have to play the Commodore 64 game, Give My Regards to Broad Street. 
because we're both Beatles fans. And when we heard that there was a give my regards to Broad Street video game, my wife made me track it down. And I did, and I got a Commodore 64 actually at Midwest Gaming Classic earlier this year and a um, SD reader for the Commodore 64 that basically acts as a floppy drive. So I'm going to, even though Give My Regards to Broad Street was on cassette, uh, I was actually able to find a way to convert it so that it would work off of a disc. So that way I could use the SD card reader, which is not tape format compatible, but it's disc format compatible. At least I tried in an emulator and it worked. I'll have to try it on the real thing. At least in an emulator, the tape to disc conversion worked. Now I just have to make sure it works on the real thing. My wife did say that she will allow me to use an emulator if I have to. So having said all that, I am going to be playing for Lurie Children's Hospital, which is in downtown Chicago, and I believe it is affiliated with Northwestern. And I mentioned this before, I'm going to mention it again. I chose them because... My friend Keith, both of his kids had cranial surgery at Lurie, and uh, this is kind of a way to, uh, in a small way, I guess, thank them for taking good care of his kids when they needed it. And what I'm going to do is uh, Friday, November 2nd, I'm going to spend a few hours after work playing some games at home. And Saturday, I will be spending the entire day at Underground Retrocade in West Dundee, Illinois, from the moment they open to the moment they close. So that's 11 a.m. to 1 a.m., 14 hours, except I'm going to take a break for lunch or supper. And of course, visiting the bathroom is necessary. So probably 13 hours there. And then Sunday, I'll be doing the rest of the 24 hours at home. And uh, yeah, uh, if need be, I, I also have to keep in mind that I have a job and... I have other obligations, so if things happen that I can't do all the 24 hours this weekend, I will resume the following weekend, or I'll do, I'll do whatever I can. I will try my best to do all 24 hours in one weekend, and if you would like to donate, that'd be great. In fact, the uh, next Patreon payout I get, which should be, I'm recording this on Halloween, so uh, as a cradle Catholic, I can say this, uh, on All Saints Day, when I get the Patreon payout for this podcast that is going to go straight to extra life. So all of you who support this podcast via Patreon, thank you for also supporting sick children. And if you uh, wish to donate straight to my extra life campaign, as it were, the address you can do that is on the web homebrew 78fab 4 itcom fab 4 it is spelled F A B then the number four and then it.com slash extra life lowercase letters, no spaces, no hyphens or anything that'll redirect you to my donation page. I'll also put a direct link to my donation page in the show notes as well at homebrew78.fab4it.com. What else is going Oh, you know what else is going on? And I'm totally off topic for anything to do with this podcast. I hate politics. I really do. And I hate discussing politics, but this is the one moment I do have to get political here in the United States. We have elections coming up in November, uh, November 6th, I think is the day. The reason I say think and not know is because I already voted uh, in Illinois. We have early voting and my wife and I already voted for this coming election. I'm not going to tell you which way to vote. I'm just going to tell you, please vote. Even if you're one of those people who just doesn't want to vote because you don't like any of the candidates or you don't like that, uh, the system here is rigged so that only one of two parties will ever be in charge. Doesn't matter. Get your butt out to the polls and vote. Even if you don't want to vote for a candidate, keep in mind, there are probably going to be referenda on the ballot. Those have nothing to do with candidates or party, whatever. It's just questions. Should we legalize this? Should we uh, reallocate funds so that, uh, farmers get more money or should we ease up on restrictions of what mom and pop businesses are allowed to do whatever at least vote on that stuff and i'll give you a darn good reason why i say that i think i mentioned before here my first job ever was at a public library and i was there for seven years i really loved that job i was working in the nonfiction department the reference department <laughs> or as uh someone who had a position created for her uh, associate director, the only library in the world that had such a position. 
she renamed all the departments so that they had the word services in them. So instead of juvenile department, it was called youth services, which made it sound like a prison or something. And reference was renamed information services. So when the phone would ring, we'd pick it up. Joliet Library Information Services. People thought they were getting the computer. But anyway, I'm not going to get on into that rant right now. I'll save that for autobiography of a schnook. But I overheard a conversation between our department head and, and a patron. They were having a conversation, and the guy said, man, I really want to check out some books, but the thing is, I can't afford a library card here. He lived outside of town. And you can't get a library card without paying a pretty hefty annual fee if your mailing address is not in the jurisdiction of the library. And our department head said to him, well, it was on the ballot for you guys to get a public library, but there weren't enough votes for it. So that's one reason I say get out and vote, even if you don't want to vote for a candidate, at least vote on things that could otherwise affect you or businesses that you care to patronize. Vote for something. Okay. Not everybody has this right. Dang it. We should use it. So not going to tell you how I'm just going to tell you to please do it. All right. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, what I am also going to encourage you to do is play some homebrew games, buy some homebrew games, support the developers who make them such as Atari age user Schmutzpuppe. And I believe his real name is pronounced Matthias Ludke, if my German is correct. I never really formally studied German, but I think the pronunciation is correct. Uh, he is the developer behind Froggy. And we're going to talk about Froggy and a little bit about Frogger in just a moment. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games, which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. I would love to delve into Frogger, but there's only so much I'm going to get into because let's face it, everybody knows how to play Frogger. Um, okay, if you don't know how to play Frogger, you control Frog, you got to guide it through a whole bunch of lanes of traffic so it doesn't get hit, and all the way up and then after you pass the lanes of traffic, there's a river that you have to hop across, there are going to be logs that you have to ride, you can ride on a crocodile without touching its head, you can ride on a turtle... And just hop your way over to a home base, put your frog in the home base, lather, rinse, repeat. There you go. There's Frogger. But I just want to get into some more of the stuff you really don't hear about Frogger. For example, its release date. Well, it was released on June 5th, 1981 in Japan by Konami, and it was licensed out to Sega Gremlin for its October 23rd, 1981 release in North America. Frogger got its release in Europe on August 6th, 1982. And something else that I got to talk about is the music, the music, the intro song. When you start the game, that's from a Japanese children's song. And uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly. I'm assuming that there's a silent ending at you in the first word. If I'm pronouncing this wrong, I apologize. But the song that plays when you start the game is In no Omawari-san which is uh, Japanese for the dog policeman. Uh, sometimes the song is also called Doggy Cop and Lost Kitty. And there are theme songs from a couple of animes as well. Uh, the theme from Hana no Ko Lun Lun is uh, used in the background music. as is the theme from Araigoma Rascal. I don't, I'm sorry, everybody.
Uh, that's not all of the music, but just a couple of examples. And uh, the United States version actually includes a couple of bits of Yankee Doodle as well. Frogger is probably the most licensed game that I've ever seen. It is on everything, practically. If you can think about a platform, there is probably a licensed Frogger for it. But going back to the licensing, of course, Sega Gremlin released it in the United States, and uh, Sega licensed the magnetic media rights to Sierra Entertainment, and Sierra in turn sub-licensed said rights to developers who supported platforms that Sierra normally didn't. For example, Star everybody knows about Starpath, everybody listening to this podcast knows about Starpath, they actually released a Supercharger version for the 2600, because they had the magnetic media rights. Starpath Supercharger, Arcadia Supercharger, of course, uses a cassette player to load up the games. Cassettes are magnetic media. Cornsoft released a version for the Trash 80 and the Timex Sinclair computers, and Sierra itself released a version for the IBM PC, Mac, Apple II, and Commodore 64. As for the cartridge media rights, Sega licensed those to Parker Brothers, who released versions for, of course, the Atari 2600, the 5200, the Atari 8-bit computers, the ColecoVision, the TI-99-4A, the Commodore VIC-20, and the Commodore 64. Uh, yeah, you heard correctly. Not only the Atari 2600, but also the Commodore 64 had two different versions of Frogger because of the way the licensing worked. I think most Atari 2600 enthusiasts prefer the Starpath Supercharger version of Frogger, which had the title The Original Frogger. They prefer that over the Parker Brothers cartridge version. As for me, I don't really have a preference. I see both pros and cons in each version. If I fire up the Supercharger version, I think, yeah, this really isn't all that much better than the Parker Brothers version. And when I play the Parker Brothers version, sometimes I think, yeah, I'm missing some of the elements that were in the Supercharger version. Either way, I think both are really, really good ports. But yeah, seriously, this thing got an official license on so many platforms. Even the Tomy Tudor computer had it. My friend Jimmy G and I found that out when we were uh, researching our Frogger episode for Pie Factory podcast. There was a Milton Bradley board game, of course. Uh, Coleco. Remember Coleco's mini arcade tabletops? Well, there was a Frogger for that. Nelsonic released a Frogger game watch. There was Frogger everything. And of course, Buckner and Garcia, when they recorded the Pac-Man Fever album, they got Frogger involved as well with the song Froggy's Lament. Froggy takes one step at a time. The way that he moves has no reason or rhyme. He hops and jumps, dodges and ducks, cars and buses, vans and trucks. Go! And by the way, something that I just wanted to get out here, if you look up certain things on the internet, you're going to find a developer's name attached to Frogger, and his name is Robert Pappas. Um, I don't really think he was the developer of Frogger. Robert Pappas was a teenage software developer, and his name actually ended up attached to the arcade version in some references. I don't think he actually did that, though. I don't think he actually was. And the references that credit Robert Pappas to developing Frogger also say that Sega and Gremlin merged for the purpose of distributing Frogger in the United States. Well, that's simply not true because if you remember from an earlier episode of this podcast, for which I'm too lazy to look up which episode it was, uh, it was the Astro Blaster episode, by the way, <laughs> Sega and Gremlin merged in 1979. Frogger was not released anywhere until 1981, so it's highly doubtful that Sega and Gremlin's merger had anything to do with Frogger. And that's one reason that I'm doubting the Robert Pappas story. Another reason I'm doubting that is, well, Frogger was made by Konami. Konami is a Japanese company. And what are the chances that a company in Japan would have a staff developer who is a teenager who's obviously not Japanese, at least judging from that name, he's likely of Greek heritage. I don't know that much about the guy, so I can't say for sure. But the other thing, the third and probably the biggest reason that I doubt that Robert Pappas was involved in the arcade version is that he did develop the version that Cornsoft released for the Trash 80. 
So somebody probably just got those details mixed up along the line. But that's really the most I had to say about Frogger. Um, I like to share my memories about Frogger, specifically how I first heard of it. I just remember when I was really, really getting into Pac-Man back in probably 1981, 1982, my brother mentioned this, there, was, there was this new game out called Frogger, and he described the gameplay to me. And one night, we were all out to eat. My parents, my brother and I, we were having dinner at a place called Hunk's Pancake House in Bradley, Illinois. And when we walked in, we went in to hang up our coats, and right by the coat room, there were two arcade machines. There was Asteroids, which I didn't know was an arcade game. I only knew it from the 2600. And there was the famous Frogger. So at some point after my brother and I finished our dinner, my parents were still eating, we excused ourselves and went over to the two games. And we played Frogger, the sound was all the way down. So we, had, we played silent versions of Frogger. And that Frogger machine was set for only three lives. My brother said, I could have sworn that this is a five-life game. And sure enough, next time we were at Hunk's Pancake House and we played it again, the settings were changed so that you had five lives and the sound was up. So I got to hear the sound. So that was uh, really cool. And of course, I did get Frogger for my birthday for the 2600 one year. Of course, it was the Parker Brothers version. I did not have a supercharger until probably about a year or two ago. And uh, no, I don't have the supercharger version of Frogger officially. I just use the ROM for that. I also had the board game, the Milton Bradley board game. It wasn't really terribly exciting. In fact, if you uh, do a search for that online, it doesn't get positive reviews. It's got a pretty low rating overall. But I'm going to confess, Frogger is not one of my favorite arcade games. It's really not. I, I do f tend to find myself playing it now and then, but I'm not really a huge fan of it, mainly because, I don't know, it just seems to me that there are too many cheap deaths now, people think I'm nuts for saying this, but I, I can reproduce this almost at will. Like if I'm jumping from one log to another log and not even at the end of the log, but in the middle of the log, sometimes the frog won't make it all the way. He'll literally fall off and drown. And when you're in the traffic lanes, you could still have room to move. But if you're within a certain distance of a vehicle, the game's not going to freaking let you move. You're just stuck there. To me, that's cheap. That's cheap. I don't like games with cheap deaths. Oh, speaking of deaths, in the arcade version of Frogger, there are nine ways to lose a life. And uh, I'll talk about those right now. Uh, make contact with a vehicle. That's one way. Make contact with a snake. Watch out for snakes. Well, the head of a snake. I think if you touch the back of the snake, you're safe. If you land in water, you're dead because apparently frogs can't swim. If you ride a log or a crocodile off the screen, you lose a life. If you jump toward a home base and miss, like you're not quite centered, you lose a life. If you try to jump in an already occupied home base, you will likely lose a life. And I'll get back to that in a second. If you touch a crocodile head, whether it be uh, moving in the river or a crocodile head that is now fully within your home base, you lose a life. If an otter bites you, you lose a life. And if you run out of time, you lose a life. And by the way, I never saw the otter bite happen until I intentionally made it happen. That is a freaky animation. Oh, man. You actually have to be right on the end of the log for that to happen. If you're in the middle of the log, the otter's not going to bother you. But if you're on the other end of the log and there's a, an otter approaching, if you stay there, you'll see what happens. It's kind of freaky. But getting back to that jumping toward a home base and missing thing, and this might be what leads to so many cheap deaths. I only discovered this when researching for this podcast episode. You think you move the joystick up once, you move up, and that's the end of it, right? Well, that's not quite right. There's a mechanism built into the controller in which slightly different things might happen if you hold the controller in one direction. If you just tap the joystick up, chances are your frog's going to move up one space, assuming there's room to move. And you'll hear like one little like croaky sound or whatever you want to call that frog sound effect whenever the frog moves. If you hold the joystick in any of those directions, the frog's going to move, but you'll also hear two of those frog sound effects. And that, I think, is what leads to how I say that if you try to jump into an already occupied home base, you might lose a life because I really do think there's a difference between just tapping up on the joystick into the home base and holding the joystick up. If you just tap up and your home base is occupied, 
nothing happens. But if you hold the joystick up, you're going to lose a life. And since the next thing I'm going to talk about in this episode is the actual froggy game for the 7800, I can tell you this much, getting bit by an otter is not an issue on the 7800 because the otter was not implemented. You'll hear a little bit more about that later on. And of course, I guess I should mention the Seinfeld episode in which uh, George saw that the Frogger machine he played as a kid was still alive and kicking and still plugged in. Uh, whatever store had it, they never lost power and his high score was still up there and all that. So, uh, that's worth mentioning. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's all I have to say about Frogger in general. So let's switch gears over to the 7,800 Frogger, except it's called Froggy, uh, uh, you know, uh, copyright and stuff. <laughs> Just to give you an idea of how much work can go into developing something so amazing, accurately representative of its arcade version, keep in mind, I am recording this the week of Halloween 2018. Froggy is not due out until mid-November for mass consumption. Now, keep that in mind. I got a really nice email from Matthias Lutke, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I think I am. Uh, if I know how to pronounce German correctly, which I probably really have to, so I apologize. And he described his process to me in great detail. In fact, I'm going to read it to you, what he had to say to me. Well, it was a long way to go to finalize this damn game. I'm not sure if I would have started if I knew this before, but now I am happy with the result and that it's finally done. It started back in 2004. Remember when I said I was recording this and when Froggy is due for release? 2004 with the release of the Cuddle Cart, when I got some interest to take a deeper look into how the 7800 works. My first idea was to do a quick port of my Atari 8-bit game Superfly 1K+. Um, I'm going to stop right here. Uh, in case you don't know what Superfly 1K Plus is, it's kind of like, uh, if you remember Flappy Bird, well, it's just like that, except instead of a bird, you're controlling a helicopter and you got to keep pressing the fire button to uh, make it go up and down. And so it goes through little, uh, uh openings properly. Uh, anyway, getting back to Matthias's, uh, email, this couldn't have been so complicated, I thought, just to find out really quickly that the Maria architecture, that's uh, what the 7800 uses, by the way, the Maria architecture was completely different from the Antic slash GTIA, uh, the Atari 8-bit architecture, uh, so that I had to invest some time to figure out how this all works. That's how things started sometimes, fiddle around and see what's possible. I wanted to play a bit with the high-resolution mode to see how it works. Frogger came to mind because it seems to fit quite well regarding colors and resolution. So I ripped out the graphics and let the logs and turtles move. Oh, that was cool. Maybe you should go further, I thought. So I added more elements and made quite fast progress, which is always motivating. Of course, it didn't go on so well because there's always something getting in the way. I used the Pro System emulator for the development, and the game looked fine on it so far. On the real system, it was a different story because the graphics were broken. Thankfully, there are talented people at Atari Age who helped me figure out the reason. Eckhard Stolberg had a theory about the phenomenon that some pixels were not visible. And he was right, you had to arrange the pixels in a special manner to make them visible, or you have to use the so-called kangaroo mode without transparency, which was no option. Um, I don't know what kangaroo mode is, I have to confess. <laughs> Fortunately, rearranging the pixels worked quite well. Even if Froggy looks quite similar to the arcade version, it is not pixel perfect because of this restriction. So in May 2005, I released the first playable demo without sound, scoring, and a lot of other stuff missing. The feedback was very encouraging, and since I had some spare time during those days, I made good progress. I took a look through the Frogger first playable thread on Atari Age to remember all this, and I saw that I created a version where I added some Tia music that Cybergoth sent me, uh, thanks to him at this point, but originally I never had Tia in mind because I found the sound capacity too limited, and I knew the pokey from my Atari XL better anyway. 
So what I did to create the music was to patch the MAME sound driver to print out the AY38910 frequencies converted to the equivalent pokey values. I remember it was a lot of work, but maybe that's because I only converted the music from the first level and later totally forgot about the other music. For about a year or so, I constantly added new stuff, made bug fixes, optimized for NTSC because I initially developed only on PAL. I added Tia music with moderate success, and it looked as if this would never end. Froggy was a good example of the 80-20 principle to me. Um, those of you not familiar with that, uh, it's also known as the Pareto Principle, and uh, it states that for many events, about 80% of the effects come from about 20% of the causes. So uh, that's what Matthias is talking about. But getting back to his uh, explanation here, I started to get bored a bit, and I also didn't have enough spare time anymore. The spare Atari time I had, I used for small projects like Santa Simon, Multi-Lock-On, or the Tainted Love demo, which I was able to finish in a small time frame. Things went even worse starting around 2009 when I didn't have any time for Atari, but I just put too much effort into the game to just abandon it. The first time I picked up the work again was in late 2012. It was a mess to dig through code that I haven't taken a look at for years. By the way, I'm going to interrupt again. I know his pain. Um, I, as a uh, developer myself, uh, if I'm at work and one of my coworkers asks me about some code that I wrote, say, a year or two ago, I'd be like, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, I worked on it, but that was a long time ago. I don't remember what the purpose was and why I did this. So I feel Matthias's pain. But he goes on to say, um, Albert from Atari Age asked from time to time about releasing Froggy. And I thought it could be done before Christmas 2012. Unfortunately, meanwhile, pokey chips were getting quite rare, so I had to brush up the TIA support a bit. It was too late for Christmas, but I wanted to close this chapter anyway. I made some bug fixes, added better TIA support, added two difficulty levels, three or five lives, rewrote the high score cartridge code, and so on. At this point, the game had a state that I could consider done, so I posted the quote-unquote final version in May of 2013 on the Atari Age forums, nearly exactly eight years later. Now it was done, finally over and out, leave me alone. Eh, at least that's what I thought. That year, Al contacted me again to ask about the Froggy release. He experienced some sound problems and also visual issues on his display. I think this is where I fixed it, but for a reason, I don't remember why we decided not to release it. Also, the next years before Christmas, we talked about a release, but it never got that far. I, I have to confess, uh, Matthias is mentioning a user whose name I don't know how to pronounce, so I might be butchering it. I apologize. But he says, in 2017, the forum member IES Posta contacted me because he thought that the Tia music could be improved and he offered some help. I picked up the code again and was able to enhance the music a bit by transposing some of the tunes by an octave, but overall I wasn't very successful. But anyway, it stuck in my mind that maybe there is room for improvement. However, I didn't really work on it until June 2018 when I read a post about missing tunes in Froggy. As I mentioned before, I totally forgot about that. Well, I wasn't really willing to make bigger changes, but to add these tunes would be cool. So I searched for the old modified MAME source code and frittered away some time to make it run again. Fortunately, I found something even better here, and he gave me a link to uh, computerarchaeology.com to the sound code in Frogger. Oh, wow. This is uh, fascinating. Uh, yeah, it looks like a source code for the music routines of uh, I only know that from reading the contents I have no idea what this language is actually telling me <laughs> it's all assembly code of course which I've mentioned before I know nothing about I just don't know assembly <laughs> and by the way the sound chip that Matthias mentioned earlier in his email the AY38910 that is a programmable sound generator which was designed by General Instrument, and that's what makes the sounds in the arcade game Frogger. But getting back to what I was saying, oh yeah, and uh, Matthias goes on to say, somebody at computerarchaeology.com disassembled all the sound and music code, including the music notes. That was cool. I only had to convert the music notes for Froggy. But that also drove me back to Tia, because frequencies were really off sometimes. So I had to take a look at it again, just to find out that something was wrong with my node table. 
I don't remember where the values came from, but it was obvious that there was something wrong. I searched the internet for better values and more information and ended up calculating the values myself. Even if I hoped to get the music somehow better, the result was unexpected in a positive way. Since I worked on Froggy anyway, I also added the time is running out sound. This was the only game element I really missed. There are two more things that I never implemented, the otter and the fast car sound. Even if I don't find the otter very important for the game, I tried to implement it anyway. The problem was the way I created the moving logs and turtles. Technically, the whole scrolling area consisted of two large sprites. Together with the snake and the frog, Maria eats up all the available cycles, nothing left for the otter. If I would have known the architecture better, I would have chosen a different approach. But since I never liked the otter anyway, I decided that it's not worth it to rewrite a big part of the game only for that. The second game element is the fast car sound, which always bugs me. With only two Tia sound channels, there wasn't a good way to implement it anyway. One thing I added to the final version is the ability to use a higher vertical resolution when using NTSC. I just found out recently that some NTSC displays are capable of showing a higher vertical resolution, so now there is an option to activate it. The difference is the top bay, which looks like the arcade version when the high resolution is enabled, like it always is when using PAL. Some smaller bugs were fixed, and also a real showstopper. If you jump into the home right before time runs out, the game just got stuck. This didn't seem to happen often or else somebody would have reported it, but if it happens, it can be very frustrating. Trevor and Gambler172 really helped out a lot with testing, thanks guys. So I think the new version works fine now. Well, enough said. I'm happy that the game is done now and I will not touch it anymore, definitively. And uh, Mateus ends by saying, P.S. Even if I never did Superfly 1K Plus for the 7800 years later, I made Flappy Bird, which is basically the same. And thank you so much, Matthias. Thank you. That is just awesome. I really loved getting that email. And this is interesting because I did get a uh, suggestion from another listener. I think it was, uh, I think it was Airshack, actually, if I'm not mistaken. Airshack, I hope I'm not misattributing something to you. He said, why not have a, have an episode about just developing for the 7800? Get some feelers from people who've done it, see what their development process is. Well, here you go. <laughs> Here's a little bit of that. And actually, that's a wonderful idea. I do plan to do that. So uh, thank you, uh, Airshack, for suggesting that. So since I got Schmutzpuppa's input as to his development, why don't we dive into the actual development history, see what actually went on over those 14 years between the time he started and the time it was finally finished. So you heard what the man said. He said May 2005 is when he first posted the playable demo of Frogger, as it was called at the time. Specifically, it was May 3rd. And interestingly, even at that early point, most of the basic gameplay elements were there. And graphically, it was almost arcade perfect. There was no sound yet. There were also no crocodiles, snakes, uh, lady frogs, or diving turtles. There was also no scoring yet. Uh, you got unlimited lives at this point in just one level. When you'd fill all the home bases, the game would just start over. And uh, speaking of the home bases, you really had to line up the frog just right to get him into the home base successfully. The game at this point had been exclusively developed on a PAL system, so the colors would not necessarily be optimal on NTSC consoles, which is strange because they actually looked fine for me and I run on NTSC, but oh well, I'm not going to complain about that. Ken Siders, oh God, rest in peace, Ken. Uh, he noticed that some of the text at the bottom of the screen was cut off, which was uh, undoubtedly an issue with NTSC displays. So Matthias asked people if uh, they would like a two-player mode. Uh, Atari Age user Gregory DG suggested a two-player simultaneous mode in which whoever is the first to get three out of five frogs to the home bases would win the round. Matthias agreed. He said two-player simultaneous is a good idea, but unfortunately both frogs would have to be the same color, so the gameplay would be confusing. And in fact, uh, he eventually decided not to incorporate two-player mode at all. The next day, uh, which uh, if I did my math correctly, it'd be May 4th, 
Atari age user, Atari boy. T- you know what? Anytime I mention somebody's like handle or name, just assume it's an Atari age user for this episode. But Atari boy 2600 posted a mock-up of um, a possible labeled cartridge based on the Frogger arcade cabinet side art from Konami. On May 5th, Vic George 2K3 also posted a cartridge mock-up, but this time it was based on the Parker Brothers home versions label. Trip Cannon also posted labels, but unfortunately the pictures are no longer there, so I have no idea what they looked like. But anyway, Matthias posted a revised ROM, and this time there was some collision detection improvement, and uh, scoring was added, there was now a timer, and he hoped a fix for the NTSC text issue. Ken Siders again, he found a (laughs) feature in which if you jump on a log or a turtle and hold the joystick up, you actually stay in place while that log or turtle keeps moving. Matias responded that he uh, removed that uh, feature, as it were. Let's uh, skip over to May 24th. This time there was Tia music added, and like you heard uh, Matias say before, it was courtesy of Cybergoth. V-Dub Bobby commented that the music was pretty good for Tia, which means that uh, some of it was out of tune. He suggested just using Pokey, and Matias agreed with that. On July 13th, there was a new ROM posted with a little bit of Pokey sound. And then the next day, there was a new ROM posted that fixed issues with the Pro System emulator. But unfortunately, there was no sound in Pro System. Uh, it only worked for Matias because he happened to load Ball Blazer first before he loaded Froggy. And on July 15th, the next day after that, of course, uh, there was another new ROM, which uh, was intended to fix issues when running it on the Cuddle Cart 2 with a Pokey chip on it. Now, October 3rd, which would have been my 31st birthday that time, there was another new ROM, and this time it had more Pokey sound, more levels, and a speed-up timer. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but I think what the speed-up timer was, it was uh, some kind of indication. If If you're very familiar with the Arcade Frogger, then you'll probably remember at some point, just in the middle of the level, suddenly everything speeds up a little bit. I think that's what he's talking about. On October 8th, there was another new ROM posted, another new playable ROM in which there was a bug fixed. This was a weird bug. If you jumped into a home base that had a crocodile head start to appear, the space would not be occupied with the frog graphic. But even though the frog graphic wasn't there, if you tried to put another frog there, you'd lose a life. So that bug was fixed, as was a sound problem that happened at the end of a level. And also, at this point, there was a three-level limit that was uh, implemented. Uh, Matthias accidentally left that in, so he took it out uh, in this particular update. And there was another update on December 17th, in which there was another bug fix. There was a flickering on the screen every five to six seconds, and Matthias concluded, I think it was Matthias who concluded this, that it was somehow related to the music subroutine. Unfortunately, though, he played this for half an hour, no problems, and then all of a sudden he started noticing the flicker again. Oh, don't you hate when that happens? So that's the last we heard from the Frogger project until April 16th, 2006, in which it was renamed Froggy. So there was a new version posted, just a small update. It was only tested on an emulator. What could possibly go wrong? Sean, S-H-A-W-N, Atari age user that is, not me, uh, he couldn't get past the title screen when running it off a Cuddle Cart 2, even though it worked in emulators. So the next day there was a new version posted, this time tested on an actual Atari 7800, but unfortunately the flicker problem was still there. There were some small bug fixes released on June 3rd, and the intro screen now would show the last score and the high score. On October 2nd, 2016, there was another new version, and it was a TIA version, and it was just music, no sound effects, and apparently it was a real pain to program it. On November 25th, there was another update posted, PAL Enhanced. And uh, Matias said if you have the choice, just use PAL instead of NTSC at this point. He warned that the Tia sound would sound bad in the Pro System emulator, but you should be using Pokey anyway. On December 30th, there was another new version of Froggy posted, and this version fixed a bug in which the timer didn't reset after a frog reaches home. That could be a problem. (laughs) And in the new year, a week later, January 7th, 2007, there was another new version 
One of the features added here was compatibility with single button joysticks. So it was found that the only way you could use the fire button to start the game was if you had a pain line controller or otherwise compatible controller. So this version now would recognize the fire button from a single button controller. There was also a fix in the PAL version that involved a graphics bug with a crocodile. The pause button was now usable. It had two different uses. During the game, obviously, it would pause and resume the game. But during the title screen, it would toggle a couple of selection screens. One selection screen allowed you to adjust the vertical position of the play field with the joystick. And that was mainly to answer any kind of missing text issues and things like that with NTSC screens, if I'm not mistaken. And another setup screen that the pause button would toggle would allow you to choose how the sound comes to you. It would be provided either by the 7800's built-in TIA sound, an onboard pokey chip, or the pokey chip from an X-board or expansion module add-on board. Unfortunately, though, the frog color does not change after picking up the lady frog. The lady frog is green, and once you pick up the lady frog, you're still green. And the reason for that is that the frog and the snake sprites share the same color palette. So if the frog changes color, well, so will the snake. Gambler172 said that the larger crocodile still had a graphical glitch and that the difficulty would change if he pressed the select button during the gameplay. Matthias said that he knew about that glitch, but he wasn't seeing it anymore, but he also knew about the select button behavior. He said that that was actually an intentional debugging mechanism. What you would do is hit select and you warp to the next level and you get three lives back. So now we skip ahead almost three and a half years, June 8th, 2010. The game was still not finished, but Matthias planned to finish it. He thought of including a second game mode in which you would finish after you reached a certain level and the street and the river would have a different pattern. He also hinted that he would be putting an Easter egg in the game. <laughs> in fact, on September 3rd, 2012, Matthias said he actually did add the alternate mode to the current version, but he was thinking of removing it later on. His then-current version also featured high-score cartridge support and additional sound effects. And while he was at it, he explained that he didn't abandon the game at all, it was just that he didn't have much time to work on it. Next we heard about the game was May 10th, 2013. Matthias posted what was supposed to be the final version of the ROM, and it would include Tia Sound, and uh, apparently it was Albert who encouraged him to do that, simply because pokies were getting harder to come by with every passing moment. On June 16th that year, there was a new final ROM that fixed a problem in which the pokey sound was always enabled and auto-detection was disabled. So that was the last that we really heard publicly about the development of Froggy. Time went by, the game had been demoed at several Portland Retro Gaming Expos since, including the one that just happened. The game apparently was in a finished state for a long time, but it was just waiting for a manual design and box and label art design to be finalized, things like that. On January 5th, 2018, Matthias said that he had been working on improving the Tia sound, and it was pretty much finished, but he just needed to put the final touches on it. But unfortunately, personal business kept him from doing so, and his hope the game would finally be released in 2018. And um, that is apparently what is finally going to happen. It looks like the target uh, release is mid-November. So probably a couple of weeks after this podcast episode is out, Froggy should be available for purchase. And of course, there will be two different versions. There will be a Tia version of the cartridge and a Pokey version. But I'm guessing that the Pokey version will require that you supply the pokey, either via a ball blazer cartridge, or if you happen to have a standalone pokey, or if you like salvage one from a dead 5200 or Atari 8 bit or Atari arcade game, maybe. But the Tia version of the cartridge will apparently take advantage of pokey sound if you play it through the still unfinished expansion module unit. Speaking of the expansion module, it occurs to me that Froggy at this point has a longer cradle to grave from 2004 to 2018 than the expansion module. Like, we've been waiting for Froggy much longer than we've been waiting for the expansion module. And uh, hopefully this is a sign of more long-awaited stuff to come. So um, there we have it. That's 
from what I could tell, the development history of Froggy. So let's find out what others have to say about this homebrew title. Now, this just speaks volumes about how in demand this game is, even though it hasn't even been released yet. That I got pretty significant amount of feedback about Froggy upon request. So here's what we have on the Atari Age forums. S. Ramirez, 2008, haven't heard from him in a long time. He says, Froggy is great. It looks, plays, and sounds amazing. I have a ROM that has been permanently parked on my Mateos cart so I can enjoy it with glorious pokey sound. Can't wait for this game to go on sale, smiley face. Yeah, me too. Me too, S. Ramirez 2008. Uh, I also have one parked permanently on my Pokey-enabled Mateos cart. And yeah, it really does sound amazing. I know what everybody says. The Tia version is just as good. Just save your Pokey chips for something more important. The thing is, I tried the Tia version, and to me, I think it's simply because the way my ears are wired. After hearing the Pokey version, I cannot deal with the Tia version. I tried it. It sounds off to me. It, no fault with anybody involved in the development of Froggy. It's just simply the limitations of that chip. Uh, Nostalgie 37 says, Seconded, Froggy is an amazingly faithful port and an incredibly fun game. I just wish that we could buy the damn physical cart already. And a little crying emoticon. I hear you. I hear you. I've been wanting to buy this cart for years myself. Thank you, Nostalgia37. I see what you did there with your uh, username. Uh, Gambler172. Walter says, Froggy is a top hit exactly like the arcade. Well, almost, I should say. The sound is great even on Tia, a must-have for everyone. Yeah, yeah. thank you, uh, Walter, there. Yeah, the it, it is missing some things from the arcade. Again, the different colored frogs, the otter. But other than that, really, I mean, seriously, I don't think I ever played a home version that had the otter in it. It didn't really, it doesn't really make a difference to me. <laughs> Toilet Tunes says Frogger fans will appreciate hearing all of the arcade tunes. This makes it the definitive home version. And you know, yeah, this probably is the definitive home version. I've never seen another version of Frogger that really does such a faithful reproduction of the sounds and the music. And that really makes a lot of difference. Uh, Rev Eng says the game's author, Matthias Lutke, uh, a.k.a. Schmutzpuppe, is well known for his ability to get the 7800 to do cool things. Check out his multi-lock-on and tainted love demos for proof. With Froggy, Matthias has shown us his great eye for detail and his ability to polish a game until it can't shine any brighter. This is the best port of Frogger to date on any platform. It's a bit crazy, but I actually like listening to the Froggy Tia music just to be astonished over how great it sounds. You expect Pokey to sound great, but damn, Tia is holding its own here. Thanks to the work of Pac-Man Plus, Tep392, the late great Ken Siders, and now Schmutzpuppe, Atari 7800 arcade fans have a feast of quality games to play. Oh, don't we ever. Ah. Thank you, Rev Eng. I'm going to be honest with you, though. I'm really, really, really hoping we get to see Defender, Zookeeper, Crystal Castles. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I was going to say Bosconian, but Draconian on the 2600 is just mind-blowing amazing. Oh, So maybe we don't need it on the 7800 because the 2600 version is that good. But yeah, like we got so many of the core classics now. We're gonna we have Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, Super Pac-Man, Junior Pac-Man. We're gonna have Baby Pac-Man. So pretty much everything in the Pac-Man series, except Pac and Pal and Pac-Land, and I do not acknowledge Professor Pac-Man. We have Burger Time. We have Cubert. Uh, what else do we have now? We have uh, Asteroids Deluxe Space. Um, I suddenly forgot the name of the uh, Space Duel. There we go. Man, I'm sure there are other core classics that I'm missing that we now have thanks to the homebrewing community ss says i don't know how i missed putting this on the cuddle cart before i had known that it was in development but i don't think i realized such a nearly complete version had been released i guess i wasn't paying much attention around the 2013 time frame this is an excellent version of frogger sound effects are amazingly good for the tia too bad atari themselves didn't program tia sound effects nearly as well gameplay is pretty spot on the Sega Genesis got a port of Frogger as its very last officially released cartridge, and until now, I would have called it the best home port of Frogger ever, because all later releases don't use the correct arcade music. I would say that this 2013 version of Froggy that I played last night 
pretty much equals the Genesis cartridge. Thank you, SS. I can't really speak to the Genesis version because I, I don't think I've played it for a long, long time. One version that I did play, there was an Amiga clone of Frogger. I don't remember what it was called, but um, I don't know if it still exists, but there was a software repository online called AmyNet which had all kinds of software you could download for free. Uh, most of it's freeware, shareware, public domain. Some of it was crippleware. Of course, you had to pay to unlock certain features. But that was like the place to go if you needed something Amiga, if you needed a web browser, if you needed an email client, if you wanted to play some games, watch some demos, you'd go to AmyNet and download some stuff off there. But one day, I found a Frogger clone posted on AmyNet, and the description on AmyNet called it an amphibian migration simulator. And uh, I kind of liked that. So that was the feedback that I got on Atari Age, and now I'm going to go into the emails. No surprise here, I heard from TrekMD Eugenio, who's always happy to send a nice email. It begins, hello, Sean. Well, hello, Eugenio. He says, I hope all is well. I just got back from PRGE a few days ago. The event was excellent, and it was so cool to meet up there with folks from the gaming forums I frequent. It was also a great opportunity to get new homebrew titles for my various Atari consoles and the Intellivision. I also had the opportunity to meet several of the game programmers of the older games like Howard Scott Warshaw, David Crane, and the Kitchen Brothers. One game that was released at PRGE and sold by Atari Age was Froggy. So how about I give you some feedback about the game? A long time ago in a nearby galaxy, there was this game about a frog that was trying to cross the road and a river to make it to the other side. That game was called Frogger, and it quickly became an arcade success. In that arcade game, the player controls a frog that must cross a busy street while avoiding cars, semis, bulldozers, and other vehicles in order to get to the edge of the river. There the frog must never fall into the water, this frog does not know how to swim but must jump over logs to make it to the pads at the top of the screen. As the game progresses, new dangers are faced by the frog, like crocodiles, snakes, and otters, and the road becomes a bit more congested. There are also some bonuses the frog can get. He can carry a lady frog who is moving about on a log to the pads, or enter a pad that has a fly in it. With its addicting gameplay, Frogger came to just about every home system of the time, and systems like the Atari 2600 even had two versions from Parker Brothers and Starpath. The game was never ported to the 7800, though the 2600 ports could be played on the console. It wasn't until this year that a full and finalized version under the name Froggy became available for the 7800, thanks to homebrew programmer Matthias Lutke, and what a version it is. Matthias has created what has to be the most perfect home version of Frogger there is. Up until now, the Starpath version for the 2600 has been my preferred version of the game, but this one has taken that place. The level of detail, the graphics, the colors, and the sounds, whether played with Tia or Pokey, are truly amazing. I just cannot say enough good things about this game. The Tia version was sold at PRGE and should be on the Atari Age store in November, and you will be able to get a Pokey version if you can supply a Pokey chip. Ah, just what I thought. Thank you. Without a doubt, this is a must-have for all 7,800 owners. Ribbit, ribbit. And as usual, uh, he ends going to the Final Frontier Gaming, Eugenio. Eugenio, thank you so much for that email. Oh, man, Portland Retro Gaming Expo. I will get there someday. Most likely not next year, though. The soonest I'll be able to go is probably 2020. Uh, next year, the reason I can't go next year is my 20th wedding anniversary. My wife is a teacher and our anniversary is in September. So it would look really bad for her to take time off like twice so early in the school year. Uh, I would not go without her. Just so you know, I, she, if she, she, she probably would not let me go to Portland without taking her with me. So, uh, man, I, I am jealous. You got to meet Howard Scott Warshaw and David Crane and the kitchen brothers. I'd, I haven't met any of those guys. I know some of them were at Midwest Gaming Classic last year, but I just didn't have a chance to go uh, to go see them or get their autographs or anything. Uh, and I brought a couple of Activision games with me too. And something occurred to me when I was reading your uh, feedback. There were actually three different versions of Frogger in the arcade. 
The ROMs were slightly different. The second version, I believe, had on-screen instructions. And the third version, uh, the point values were more. Instead of getting 10 points for a successful hop forward, you'd get 50. And what was the bonus? I think the bonus was in the original Frogger is 50 points for landing at home. And I think the third version gave you 100. And I should mention that Froggy on the 7800 is based on the original ROM, not the higher scoring ROM. In fact, I think the original is the one that's the most common anyway. And also, folks, this um, is another reason why I didn't really talk much about the gameplay of Frogger because, well, I kind of figured I'd hear from Eugenio about that. He usually does a really good job of uh, summarizing it much better than than I can. Uh, So that was uh, very cool to see. The feedback you're hearing in this episode, it's it's like a broken record or a uh, dusty CD. It just You just keep hearing the same thing over and over and over. Get it, definitive version, T is good, Pokey's better, whatever. And I can't really add anything more. I can't add any more substance to it. Just get it. Get the freaking game. I mean, yeah, there, there we go. Everybody else shared their opinions. I might as well share mine. This has been a mind-blowing homebrew for a long, long time. It always drove me crazy firing up my 7800 with the Mateos cart and seeing what's essentially a complete froggy that's almost identical to the arcade version. I said before that Frogger is not one of my favorite games. It's not one of my go-to games, but I cannot wait to buy this cartridge because it is just so mind-blowingly accurate. It is well done. And of course, it is a core classic. And the 7800 is a perfect platform for these core classics. Get it. Just get the game. Tia, Pokey, whatever. Get the game. And yeah, I can't wait. In fact, I after I finish recording this, I'm going to email Albert and ask him if I can just go ahead and send my Pokey right now. And uh, you know what? I'm just going to shut up and... Uh, move on. Thank you, everybody, so much for your feedback. Now, this is the part of the episode in which I uh, basically end it. I, I put bring the episode to a close. But before I do that, there's one thing that I really absolutely need to say. Just to drive home how well done this port is, all of the sounds that you've heard, I just want you to understand that all the sounds you've heard that have anything to do with Frogger, all the sound effects, all the music, they came from the 7800 game Froggy. No other version of Frogger. That's it. It's from the 7800 version. If that doesn't convince you you need to get this, then uh, I have to find something else to convince you, I guess. But in the meantime, there's some people that I need to thank. And those people are Airshack, Ed Ladin Controllers, Kyle Etter, Jimmy G, Great Offender, Richard Grounds, New Balance Phoenix Stores, PJ Steele, and Richard Valdez. Thank you all for sponsoring this podcast over Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Homebrew78. And uh, if you'd like to get in on the sponsorship, you can go there and uh, do it uh, for one more episode. And then this uh, podcast will uh, be on a hiatus for a couple of months And uh, while I do some research, take a little bit of a break and come back with a few more episodes, at the very least a few more episodes, I hope we keep getting more homebrew stuff that we can talk about. Not so much so I can keep doing this podcast. One of the reasons I decided to do it was was like, yeah, you know what? This will be a short podcast. It'll only be a few episodes that I'm done. Um, Yeah, then I found out the realities. (laughs) But anyway, I really do enjoy doing it. And I thank you all for listening. And uh also, a big, huge thanks to Matthias Ludke, not just for his feedback, but also for doing such an amazing job with Froggy and sticking with it for 14 years. Good Lord. In the meantime, everybody, you can send me an email to homebrew78 at fab4it.com. You could go to the show notes page on the web at homebrew78.fab4it.com. And uh, Fab4IT is spelled F-A-B, and then the actual number 4, and then IT.com. My Twitter handle is Homebrew78, and the YouTube channel is Homebrew7800. 
And uh, in the meantime, please give these hardworking homebrew developers the support that they deserve. And I am talking, of course, about Schmutzpuppe among them. This game's coming out soon. Get it. Just get it. Just shut up and get it. Shut up and get it. Um, one more reminder that I am doing Extra Life this year. On November 3rd, I will be at Underground Retrocade for 14 hours minus one hour for lunch and bathroom breaks. And uh, playing games to help support sick kids at Lurie Children's Hospital. And it would be wonderful if you could donate to that. I will also be doing some home gaming the day before and the day after so that I have a total of 24 hours of gaming and I will stream as much of it as I possibly can. Now the link will be in the show notes or you can go to homebrew78.fav4it.com slash extra life. Extra life, just one word, no uppercase letters, just a single word, no punctuation. But anyway, again, thank you everybody for listening and uh, I'll be back in a couple of weeks with some kind of a wrap-up show. What am I going to do? I have no clue. It'll be a surprise to both you and me. So till then, um, have a wonderful fortnight and uh, talk at you then. Bye. Easter eggs for your Easter enjoyment. Now be good, boys and girls, and don't listen to these unless you want spoilers. Ho, ho, ho! Happy Easter! I haven't been able to use this little uh, bumper sweep or whatever about Easter eggs in a long time, but Froggy does have an Easter egg. The Easter egg is kind of similar to what a couple of other homebrews have in which Instead of the homebrew's title appearing, you'll see the original arcade game name appearing. So instead of Froggy, it'll say Frogger. You'll know you've activated the Easter egg if you hear music at the appropriate time. How do you activate it? Well, uh, um, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I asked how to activate it, and I was told, well, it shouldn't get out until the game is already in mass distribution, which... uh, At the time of this recording and at the time of the release, it is not. So stay tuned, everybody. And, uh, well, you know what? Just try it yourself. Try to activate it yourself. See what happens. See if you can do it. And if you find an Easter egg that's not like the one that I described, tell me.